we start a new day, I want you all to come to my office and we're going to worship the king and I'm going to pray and ask him to do great things. I remember Dan Robertshaw, great big old guy. You know, he bigger than me, probably weighed, outweighed me about 30, 40, 50 pounds. Just a big hunk of man. I mean, he was a really a man, but he was a Lutheran. Kind of like Wendy was a Methodist. <laughs> kind of like me as a Baptist. He never saw God do nothing. And so I called him in my office and Dan said whenever I'd start praying, especially when he'd hear somebody walking down the aisle, knowing I had a glass door in my office, he said the hair would raise up on the back of my neck. I said, what are those people going to think? They're going to walk by and see me in here and he's praying? <laughs> he said the hair would raise up on his neck. And then after a few mornings, he said, oh my gosh, I got a Bible thumping boss. He said, I've got to find me another job. He said, I, you know, I can't handle this. You know, he's lived in the world. Oh, he's a Christian. But, you know, he had never seen God do nothing. He never seen nobody that worships God and talks to him like that. And so anyway, he said, I started looking for me another job. And then one day, just a, about three months, I'd been there about three months. And, of course, I'm praying with these guys every day, quoting the Bible to them, telling them about Jesus and how wonderful he is and all this stuff. And they're thinking, oh, my gosh. You know, we've got to listen because he's a boss. You know, so we don't have any other alternative. But I've got a captive audience, see, so praise God. So then they'd go out and talk about me. You know, but I didn't know that then. And so about three months into this, one morning, I go up there in the cafeteria, you know, and I praise him, the Lord, and I sat down to have a bowl of cereal, and I praise the Lord over that bowl of cereal. And I do it out loud, you know. I don't just bow my head. I say, Lord, I want to thank you and praise for this bowl of cereal. I ask you to bless this thing to my physical body in the name of Jesus. Lord, this glass of milk I'm fixing to drink or this glass of juice, I ask you to bless that to this physical body that I can use this body to bring glory and honor to your name. And some people think, oh, my land's that religious fanatic. And about 40 people in there that morning, 7 o'clock. All of a sudden, little Edith, 64-year-old woman I'd talked to about Jesus, I knew she loved Jesus, knew she went to church and everything, but she went to a Baptist church, and they didn't teach her the power of the Word and the Holy Spirit. Edith walked in that door over there, and I looked at her, and I said, Edith, what's wrong with you? Door's far in here at that curtain. I said, what's wrong with you, Edith? And she said, oh, Mr. Scrivener, they, my arms got to hurt me real bad this last week, and so they sent me to the doctor, and they said I have carpal tunnel in both arms. And so I'm going to have to wear these sleeves. I said, well, what can they do about it? She said, I'm 64. And they said, at my age, nothing. I'll just have to put up with it. But she said, I've got to work at least one more year. I've got to be 65 so I'll have some Social Security. I can't quit, although I'm in pain. I said, Edith, how would you like for Jesus to heal you? She looked at me and she said, what? She said, I'd love for Jesus to heal me. I said, well, come over here to my table. She walked over to my table. I laid down my spoon. You know, this is really spiritual. You know, I mean, you know, I don't have a suit and tie on. I'm nothing. I've just got my, you know, my normal slacks and a short sleeve shirt on, sitting there eating a bowl of cereal. And, you know, don't that really sound spiritual? But God shows up for faith. So she walked up to my table, and I reached up and put my hand on one of them carpal tunnel sleeves, and I raised the other hand up in the air. And I said, Father, in the name of Jesus. I ask you to do a complete supernatural healing on this woman from the top of her head to the bottom of her feet because you said in your word 
You said to lay hands on the sick in Mark 16, 18, and they will get well. So I said, thank you, Father. I said, Edith, I guarantee you're healed in the name of Jesus. And I took, brought my hand down and took my hand off her. And she had taken so much medication that morning, she was so dizzy she could hardly walk. And all of a sudden, the Lord delivered her from all that. The pain went away in her arms, and she just like Will was. When Wendy said, she, she said, Mr. Scribner, my pain just left. She said, look, I can close my hands. They don't hurt anymore. I said, isn't Jesus wonderful? Now, let me tell you what. I had a captive audience of 40 people, and there was nobody in that place saying a single word. And every one of them saw God do that awesome miracle. Let me tell you, after they saw that, that cafeteria cleaned out. They all went back to where they worked in their workstation, and that went through that place like a wildfire. Hey, you ain't, you ain't going to believe what I saw in the cafeteria this morning. In fact, my lead, Dan Robertshaw, he come down there in just a little bit. He come walking into my office, maybe an hour later. I'll never forget, he walked up and he opened my door and moved in, and he walked up and he stepped up there and he stood at attention and looked straight at it. He said, Mr. Scrivener. I said, Dan, something wrong with you? He said, yes, sir. I said, what's wrong? He said, I know you. And I know that woman, Edith. And she really had carpal tunnel. And he said, I've been up there with her ever since you left. And there ain't nothing wrong with that woman. I said, well, sure, Dan. It's only Jesus. He said, I ain't never seen nothing like this in my life. Never. I said, well, what a shame. I said, Jesus honors faith. And when you get in the Word, I said, and do what he says. I said, he'll do exactly what he said in the Word. But I said, you know, you just haven't believed him, Dan. I said, you haven't worshipped him. You haven't praised him. Wow. The next morning when it come time to have the meeting, Dan was there. He said, let's worship this God. i got to know who he is. Before I left there, I mean, all of those men. I'm going to tell you, every man that worked for me in that place, the Lord totally changed every man's life in that place. They got to where that when Dan and Neil, which were two of my best leads I had, they could be out there working together and they would be having a problem. Dan called me on radio and said, Thurman, we're having a tremendous problem. We can't make this work or that work or whatever. But Neil and I was fixing to bow down and pray. And I know after we pray, it's going to work. I said, sometimes I say, hold it, guys. I'll be right there. I want to pray with you. And I'd go out there. And sometimes I'd be so busy I couldn't. And did you know I have seen, walked up in those two guys in hot foods with people all around them. They get on their knees and raise their hands together and ask the Father in Jesus' name to give them knowledge and wisdom how to fix them. And they get up and fix it. When, the, when you see people that will worship the King and honor Him like that, those guys, they got to where they could fix anything in that place in record time because they learned how to pray. Neil one day, he was trying, he had a really high performance car. He loved fast cars. Here he is, 50 years old, but he's never grown up when it comes to fast cars. He still got that fast car deal in him, you know. And so he had bought one of them fancy things, beautiful things. He only drove it when it didn't rain. I mean, you know, he wouldn't drive it in the rain. He had a regular car he drove the rest of the time. But one day he was going to change the spark plugs on this car. And he took it down to the dealer and asked them what they would charge him to change the spark plugs. They said $250, labor. 
He said, $250 labor to change the spark plugs is a V8? They said, yeah. He said, no, never mind. I'll change them myself for $250. So he brought the car back home, and he started taking the spark plugs out. And by the end of the day, he knew why they charged $250 to change the spark plugs. He finally got all them plugs out, and by the end of the next day, he had all of them back in but one. And the one up under the front, he had pulled the air conditioning compressor and the air pump, and I don't know what all he had to take off, but he still couldn't snake down through there and get that plug and get it started. So he came to work, and he told one of the guys in the truck shop, said, you know, I can't get that spark plug started. Well, the truck shop lead, he said, oh, you're, you're a building mechanic. You're not a truck mechanic. He said, let me go you over there and show you how a truck mechanic can do things. You know, the Lord didn't say no course joking, didn't he, you know? But anyway, they run over there, and he works four hours, and he can't get that spark plug in there. So he gets mad and cut all he's cut his arm all up with salt snake down in there, and he says, forget it. I can't do it either. So the next day, he tells one of the other guys, and the other guy says, ah, oh, you two guys, y'all don't know what you're doing. I'll run out there in five minutes. I'll put that spark plug in there for you. He goes out there, and he works four hours, and he can't get it in there. Now then, Neil really knows why they charge 250 bucks to change these spark plugs. He's wishing now he'd have paid them $500 to change them. He'd have been better off. But he, this guy couldn't do it either, so this guy goes home. And Neil says, Lord, Thurman said that you said in your word that if I kneel here and worship you and I ask you according to your word anything, you'll do it for me. So he said, Father, he said in front of everybody up and down his street, he got in front of his car, in front of the bumper, and he knelt down and put his hands up and raised his hands. He said, Father, I can't put that spark plug in that car. I've got to have some help. You said that I could ask the Father in the name of Jesus anything, so Lord, I ask you to put that spark plug in that car for me. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. It's done. He humbled himself and honored the Lord and knelt down in front out there on the street and worshipped the king. He picked up that spark plug, put it in that socket, snaked it around in there, and dropped that thing down in, and turned it, and in five seconds it was screwed to the bottom. He come to work the next day. He was praising the king. He said, Thurman, this prayer stuff really works. I said, yeah, it, it works when you worship the king. When you worship the king, it really works. Well... Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the Word of God. We thank you for all these wonderful testimonies all these people have had. We realize that you are the King of kings and Lord of lords and God of gods, and you are a mighty God. Now, Lord, thank you. I ask you to reveal yourself to us through the Word today in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. You know, we read up there a while ago on the screen, if you remember, that magnificent song that we quoted, Matthew 6.33. Anybody remember what that song was, Matthew 6.33? What are we supposed to seek first? The kingdom of God and His righteousness. And then what will happen? All things will be added unto us. If I'd only known that when I was younger. I didn't know it when I was young. So I didn't know to do that. So to start off today, I'm going to read the scripture that's one of my favorite scriptures. Of course, i got lots of favorite scriptures. 
But this scripture to start off with, the message I'm going to go to is in two or three different places in the Word of God. But this is something that everybody wants, and very few people ever obtain it. But here is the answer. I mean, when I graduated high school, my dad had very little money. He had worked hard and diligently, but he had not prospered very much. We lived in a little house. It was not, in fact, when I was a young man at home, before Dad changed the house, the first house that I was raised up in, on a day like today, it would be colder in the house than it was outside. You know, and when the wind blew, we had a board and blank, a board and bat house. Now, I don't know if any of you know what that is. That may be so far before some of your time. But a board in that house is where they take a 1 by 12 and then nail 1 by 12 side by side on the house. And then as the rain would hit it, the boards would draw up a little bit so you get a crack between them. So they would come back and put a little splice over the cracks and nail that on there. But whenever they got rain on them, they would pull away a little bit and the wind would just blow right around through that and in the crack. And so... It would be as cold, if not colder, in the house than it was outside. And so then later on, you know, whenever they become begin to come out with sheetrock, you know, Dad bought some sheets of sheetrock and put in there, and man, did that make a difference. At least the wind didn't blow through. So, but you could get up in the morning, and Mother or Dad would have got up and, and took a, a big old cast iron stove in the front room, and I remember on days like this when that stove would be red hot. They'd have the flue wide open and have the little door on the front open and the air's blowing through that and that wood in there would be burning and that sides on that stove would literally be red. It would be that hot. And you could be standing here and be burning on this side and freezing on this side. <laughs> I'm serious. Some of y'all may have been there. Today... The houses we live in today, I'm telling you, I can worship the king when I wake up in the morning and get up to go to the bathroom this morning, and it's 70 degrees in the house. You know, yeah, it's a little bit cooler. You know, this morning, uh, I got up, I knew that Cheryl, last night, she had to stay up till after 3 this morning. I stayed up with her and worked out there until about 2, 2.15. I told her, I said, I'm, I'm going to go to the house and go to bed. And she said, well, I have to stay up till 3 because that's when that airline office opens in England and Europe, and I've got to talk to them. And so it was finally a quarter to 5 when she came to the house this morning. So when she got in bed or this morning, I thought, boy, she's not going to get a lot of sleep. Now, the Lord told us husbands to love our wives like Christ loved the church. So when I got up, I turned the heat up a little bit. Went in the bathroom, turned the heater on, and I did all of my things knowing that in about the time I went over to the ministry center, she was going to be getting up. So I made sure the house was warm and the bathroom was warm so that when she got up, she could go in there and everything would be just exactly perfect for her. Then I go to the ministry center, I load the car, get make a couple of cups of hot tea and bring her a banana and then I leave the car running and warm it up so when she comes outside she gets in a beautiful warm car I said now I want you to know honey I really really love you and she said I can tell by the way you treat me well 
that's the way we should treat the Lord. We should love Him and worship Him and put Him first. But well, I've been told that certain things that as my dad was poor, as poor as he was, he still said, son, when I graduated high school, he said, son, I'll do anything I can, give anything I have to send you to college. He said, because you need to get a better education than just a high school education. Well, my return reply to dad was, dad, I am through with school. I have been to school for 12 years. I am fed up with school. I am never going back to school. I know everything I need to know. I'm just going to work, and I ain't never going back to school ever again. Well, little did I know that in just a few years, I would start back to school again, and it would be a never-ending thing, and it still is never-ending. But now then, the school that I've learned is important. Engineering school wasn't important. You know, it made me a living. But it wasn't really that important. But this is what's important. And I'm going to read to you what the Word of God says. And this is really, as I've learned this principle, this is the most important principle that I have ever learned. Because everybody that I ever met wants to be prosperous and successful. Aren't we? Aren't we that type of people? I never met anybody that didn't want money, you know, that didn't want to have prosperity and good success in their life. That's why they go to school. That's why they spend all that money. And sometimes it works for them, and sometimes it doesn't. But I'm going to show you something that will never fail. I didn't learn it for a long time. But in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, it said, This book of the law. <clears throat> now, I was going to church, but I wasn't studying this book. I would look at it. I'd go to a Bible study class. I might spend a few minutes, 15, 20, 30 minutes on Sunday morning with a teacher in the Word. But I wasn't hiding this word, all of it, in my heart. It says, This book of this law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night, and that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. All. For then... After you've done everything God says in His Word, for then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall have good success. And it worked for me. When, it looks like Wendy said there a while ago, she didn't know God spoke to people. Well, let me tell you, I didn't know He spoke to people either, because I'd been in church all my life. I went every Sunday. But God had never spoken to me. I never expected Him to speak to me. And I'd never had anybody tell me that they had heard God's voice. But when I diligently began to seek Him in this Word, diligently. Now, when I say diligently, I began to study this book every week diligently. I mean 5 to 15 hours a week. I know people that go to college don't put 15 hours a week in college. But I did in this book. Now, I, most people that go to college, you go to anywhere from two to four or five years, and depending on what degree you get and everything, and then maybe if you go on to a master's or a Ph.D., maybe you'll spend six years or maybe ten or twelve if you get a Ph.D., but it all depends on what you've got. But I diligently studied this book, almost the equivalency of a Ph.D., it, I spent 10 years of dedicated worship 
and praise and studying this book, hid away in my own room with nobody bothering me, just me and God and the Word. And after ten years, beyond my wildest dreams, he spoke to me. The first time I ever heard his voice. He said, to them that diligently seek me, I will reveal myself to you. Well, I've come to realize now, he meant what he said. To them that diligently seek me. He's no respecter of persons. He didn't love me any more than he does you. But I had to diligently seek him and observe to do all. And as I went through this book and found these requirements in this word, what I'm supposed to do, I realized I was not doing what the king said. And so when I started doing what he said and learning and diligently seeking him, he spoke to me. And as he did, he began to show me and tell me what to do. And it's been such an awesome experience with God. And when I began to read the word and hear the word and do what it said, all of a sudden my entire financial world began to change. I began to be blessed beyond my wildest dreams. And I will say that from the time I started being obedient to do what he said, way back when I was in my mid-twenties, maybe late-twenties, from that day forth, I have never really been short of money. I've always had enough money to pay all of my bills. I've never been short. But the Lord says if we will do what he says, he said we will be prosperous and then we will have good success. Well, that's one of the things I wanted out of life. I wanted, I wanted prosperity and I wanted success. And so the Lord did that for me. And then there's another one that I wanted, that everybody wants, that I didn't even know was available. And the, besides prosperity and success, what is it that most people want besides prosperity and success? Health. That's absolutely right. You want to be well. And so, when you think about what the Lord says here about this, he also put this in his book. Now, I think about the hospitals that are full of people. And I think about the people that are Christians that are in hospitals, and they're just exactly where I was. I did not know the Word, so when the enemy came upon me, I had to yield to what he did to me, and I didn't understand God's principles. I can remember when my own mother... I loved that woman more than any woman that I, you can imagine. My mother was the most precious woman. I mean, I've never, never seen a person, another person in my life like my mother. She was the most loving person. And she loved us with a love beyond our wildest dreams. I, I just can't tell you how much I love this woman, my mother. But... My mother was a Christian, and she studied the Word. But still, obviously, when she read the Word, she either didn't get revelation or she didn't believe it. One of the two. I'd see mother sitting around all the time reading God's Word. But I remember one time when mother came down with cancer of the breast. I had no idea. I mean, lots of people come down with cancer or cancer of the breast, you don't have any idea what causes this. 
But I remember when they had to take one of mother's breasts off. And that problem had to cut up under her arm, do all kinds of stuff. And I remember sitting there in the hospital with mother. And there, she was a little woman. She weighed 107 pounds when her and daddy married. And she never got more than 135 pounds in her entire life. She was a little, slim, beautiful woman. But they're there with that little arm. And they're trying to put IVs in that arm. And that little arm, is, it, it looks like a pincushion. And the little veins and arteries are collapsed and they can't find them. And she's sitting there saying, Thurman, please do something. They're hurting me. I said to her, I said, what could I do? Well, you know what I could have done? I could have prayed. But I didn't have enough knowledge to even know how to pray. I thought, how dumb I was. I had no knowledge of this book. I had no knowledge of who I was as a son of God. I mean, the Bible. Yeah, we take it to church with us every Sunday. Yeah, and Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Yeah, I accepted Jesus as my Savior. We both did that, didn't we, Wendy? But that's as far as we knew. We didn't know no more. So when you don't know no more, you can't do no more, can you? No, you can't. See, because we had not literally sat down and digested this book and learned what turns God on. Worship. Worship. That turns him on. I mean, when you worship him and do what he says, it really opens the door for God to do great and mighty things for you. Well, I wanted to be healthy. Mother wanted to be healthy, but she had these surgeries. And, of course, Dad, you know, he finally had to have surgery. of uh, He had some kind of uh, problem with his lungs, and they had to go in and take a third of one lung out. And when he walked out, that doctor, when the doctor walked out, he said, if you're dead, if we had to take any more of his lung out than we did, he would have never come off the operating table alive. He said his lungs were burnt up like a charcoal briquette. Well, guess what? My daddy was a smoker. He killed himself. Isn't that a shame? Here we pay to smoke this nasty stuff that's going into our lungs and is destroying our temple. My dad, although he's a Christian, he didn't know that. And so he came down with emphysema and he suffered tremendously in his last few years of life. But still, by the time daddy died, did I have enough faith to know how to get him healed? I <laughs> didn't have a clue. Not a clue. Why? Because I didn't know what this book said. Had I ever even dreamed about a miracle like Wendy just told you she saw First time she came to my ministry, I didn't even dream about those kind of things. I didn't even know those things were possible. Not even dreamed about it. The devil had really done a number on me. But he's done a number on all of us. Everyone, if one thing the devil has in common with all of us, he hates all of us. He don't care if you're lost or saved. He hates you. And he's trying his best to deceive you so you will not come to know Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's his goal. But the Lord's given us this book. And he gave us his word. And he says, I don't need to come down and talk to you. I'm, I, I wrote it down for you. All you've got to do is read it and do what it says. And he said, if you'll read it and do what it says and you'll worship me and do what I say in my word, then it will make you prosperous and successful in life. Well, I wanted to be prosperous and successful. But until I started doing what God says in His Word, it didn't work for me. 
But when I started doing what he said, wow, he began to meet all of my needs beyond my wildest dreams. But now then, I still don't know how to get healed. I'm going through life with sickness and disease. I mean, back troubles. I had back trouble as a young man. At least six times I was down with major back troubles. I can think one time I reached over in the back of a truck and picked up a little, in fact, it had a deal and said this unit weighs 67 pounds. But I mean, here I'm about 25 years old. You know how heavy 67 pounds is to a 25-year-old young man? Ah, it's a piece of cake. You can throw it around with one hand. I reached over in the back of that truck, picked up that tester, which I'd done many a time. And I started to turn when I did. Man, I dropped that tester, and I'm telling you, my back was killing me. I, I worked, a, I actually sat around the rest of the day. But when I went home that night, I went out and I got in my car, and I, I remember scooting down like this and scooting over in my car. And I'd be driving down the road, and I'd start to raise my toe up to hit the brake, and it felt like you hit me in the back with a two-by-four. And, I mean, I, I finally got home. But it was not without excruciating pain. But I'm telling you, the next day they took me to the doctor, and the doctor looked at me and x-rayed me and done everything. He said, well, you've just strained something in there. said, I don't really see any major things wrong with it. And he said, just go home and lay on your back for at least a week to ten days on a hard floor with a quilt with your feet elevated six inches up. (laughs) At the end of that seven days, I was hurting so bad everywhere else, I forgot about the back pain. (laughs) I had no idea that it was a demon. I had no idea that it was an evil spirit that had done that to me. And that I had power and authority over him. But he did that to me at least a half a dozen times. And many other times he would not be so bad, but I'd have the pain in my back. Little did I know, and could I fathom the fact, there's an invisible being called a demon that's messing with my physical body. But when I finally got a hold of the Word of God and began to learn what God says in His Word, I got over the back problems. And I have never allowed the enemy to put me down with a back problem since. Never. And I have prayed for people in faith I could not tell you today how many healings of backs I've seen. If you've got just a little tiny bit of faith to mix with mine, I'm going to tell you I have great faith for backs. Of course, I've seen some awesome miracles in backs, too. Like the one with Gary, Dr. Gary Young up there in Salt Lake City just recently. All of you know about that. There, that doctor tore his back up on Tuesday and Sunday. He finally called me 10 o'clock Sunday night. Charles, I was at the post office. And I prayed for him driving along on a cell phone while she's driving a truck. And God instantly healed a broken back. I mean, isn't God awesome? You know, something else we've learned. We have learned, and I knew this because Dr. Gary told us when we was up there, or well, his wife did, that Dr. Gary has a very bad problem with anger and rage. And it's amazing now what's happening His back is healed, and every time he goes into one of those little tantrums of anger, the pain comes back in his back. When you start to do something like that, and all of a sudden, you say, whoa, whoa, maybe I better not go there. And repents, and guess what? The pain goes away. Isn't God awesome? He said, now then I've healed you, and I ain't going to play games with you no longer. You know, I've showed you my power. Now I expect you to straighten your act up and walk holy before me. I expect you and your attributes to co- in, coincide with mine. 
Now you walk holy before me, or else I'll turn a demon loose on you. See, God don't do nothing bad to us, but the demons do. But the demons, God controls the demons. These beasts don't do nothing except he says, okay, because 2,000 years ago the king totally defeated the devil and brought everything in subjection to him. Now, all power in heaven and earth have been given to him. He's in total control. Nothing on this earth happens except he says, okay. He is in control. So, every time Dr. Gary would get into a state of anger or start there, this pain would come back in his back. When he'd stop and capture himself and repent, it would go away. You know what's going to happen to his anger and rage? It's going to go away. You know that? It's going to go away. It ain't going to take very many times that your anger and rage will go away. You know, it's amazing what happens to us. Now then, in Proverbs chapter 4, let's see what we have to do, not only to be prosperous and successful, we know we've got to hide this entire book in our heart and be obedient to it and keep its commandments and statutes. And he said, if you'll do all these things, then you'll be prosperous and successful. And everybody wants that. But very few people are willing to pay the price for what the Word says. But in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20, he says, My son, attend to my words. Incline your ear unto my sayings. So if the Lord says in his Word to do something, you should have an ear tuned in. Lord, I want to hear what you said. And then after I hear what you say, I want to do what you say. And look what he says will happen. Let these words not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life unto those that find them. And health to all their flesh. But what if you don't study the book? What if you don't read it? You're never going to find them. So... That was my problem when I was a young man. I can still remember that day, the woman that I love more than any human being on this earth was my mother. I loved that woman. She was the best woman. I mean, she was just awesome. I mean, what she did for me and her life and how she worked, I can remember being raised up in fairly a poor family. Dad would be out working, doing things. And mother, after she'd get us off to school on the school bus, she would go to town and she would work at a washing machine place where they used to wash clothes for people. I mean, you know, they didn't have those automatic deals where the people come. They brought them and they washed them and dried them and hung them up or ironed them or whatever. And the people came and got their clothes. Mother would work there in that place all day long for 50 cents an hour. And back in those days, you could buy a hamburger and a Coke for a quarter. But mother would work there all day for 50 cents an hour. And when I'd come in from school, I'd come by there so I could ride home. I'd walk from school down there where she worked. And I'd be hungry. And mama would never hesitate to go get a quarter out of her purse and say, Here, son, go get you a hamburger and something to drink. And she'd worked hard, diligent, but she had no problem giving me anything she had. You know, I grew up thinking, I didn't, back in those days, I didn't, you know, I didn't have a clue. You know, you just take it and go. You didn't have any idea what it was for your mother to work hard like that. No idea. But let me tell you, when I got a little older 
and I got out in the workforce. And I thought about the hours Mother used to work. And I think about when I'd get up at daylight and I'd go out there and I'd work in the field. Or I'd be hauling hay, whatever. And in the afternoon it's 4 o'clock and it's 100 degrees or hotter. And I'm soaking wet with sweat. And I thought, you know, this place is just like that laundry. I used to walk in that laundry and Mother was soaking wet with sweat. I said, you know, she worked like this and then give me what she earned. I said, Lord, I didn't realize how much I loved that woman. But see, we don't understand what God did for us. When we begin to understand what He did for us, then you can step into that love walk with the King. Lord, I am so grateful. If you had not come, and you had not sent your Son to leave heaven where He walked on golden streets and come to this nasty little earth where all this sin and all the trash and the junk, and you walked here and give us an example For 33 years you walked on this place. And especially in the last three years, you walked in a demonstration of the Spirit's power. You saved the lost, healed the sick, cleansed the lepers, and raised the dead to confirm to us that you were God. But you became a man. And then you took that terrible beating, and you let the people beat you and and drive nails through your hands and your feet, and then dropped you into that cross, and then they railed at you and mocked you. And you looked down and said, Father... Forgive them. They know not what they do. I said, that took something beyond my wildest dreams. But when I began to get a picture of what the king did for me, realizing without him, I could be the best man on the earth. I could have, I could have grew up in a perfect home. I could have married a woman. We could have had children. I could have been the best man on the block. I could have never used a word of profanity. I could have been loving and kind to my wife. She thought I was the best man she ever could have met in her life. And I could have went to church every Sunday. But if I didn't have a personal relationship with the King of Kings, when I took my last breath in death, the King says, the works that you've done is as filthy rags in my presence and without the blood of Jesus into hell with you. And that's where you're going. And that place is full of those kind of people today. None of us can get there without the blood. But when you say, Lord, I realize I'm a sinner. I realize I've not been perfect. I realize I have lost it in lots of places. So, but I accept this free gift that Jesus came. He was perfect. And He paid the price for me. And since He paid that price for me, I accept the gift of accepting Jesus as my Lord and Savior. He said, come over into my kingdom. I'm going to reach over here and pick, pick you up. I'm going to deliver you out of the kingdom of darkness where all the trash of the world is, all the wicked things, and I'm going to set you over here and make you a son of God. Now then he says, go and let my attributes be your attributes. You walk in love, you walk in forgiveness, and you do everything I tell you to do. And if you do and you attend to my words, it will bring health to all your flesh. You won't ever have to be sick again. Isn't that awesome? All you've got to do, if you find these words, they are life unto those that find them. Life. I mean abundant life. But see, I hadn't found them then. I was a young man. I had not found these words. I did not know they were in here. I walked as a Christian from the time I was 11 when I did accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I walked as a Christian until I'm 45 years old in sickness and disease. 
Many times I was sick. Many times I was down in my back. I had all kinds of problems. I had no idea that God was a faith God. I had no idea what he had done to me. Although I had this book at home, I took it to church every Sunday. I was a Sunday school teacher in a Baptist church. And I taught this book every Sunday. And I was a deacon. I mean, you'd have thought, man, what else can you be? Well, I didn't know, no, I didn't know the word. I didn't know these promises. But when I begin to get a hold of this book and read what it says and then walk where it says and walk holy in obedience to God's word and do this, I reached a point where that I never get sick again. Never. And I won't never be sick again because of what Jesus did for me. So by faith, this terrible plague that's coming upon the face of the earth right now, If there was ever a time when the church needs to learn who she is. Now, if this avian flu had come to America 30 years ago, I would have been a very good person for it to hit because it would have killed me. I was a Christian in church, but I didn't have a clue what was available to me. But now I don't sweat the avian flu. That avian flu cannot touch me. Because God made me a promise in His Word. I will not be sick with it. I can walk in the midst of it and never have to fear it. Because God said, if I will do what He says in His Word and walk in obedience to His Word, He says, no sickness and no disease can come to my house. Did He not say that? Yes. Well, we're going to find out. Shortly, people that believe that, they're going, we're going to have a chance to prove that. I can guarantee you, if you're not walking in obedience to the Word, this plague, which is going to be all over the world, and it's spreading every day, every day. I'm going to tell you, in another six months or another year, there's no telling what may happen. But you can go to CNN, you can go to the Internet, and every day there's new cases of this thing breaking out all over the world. Russia has closed its borders to Turkey. And they just killed 500,000 birds that were infected with this flu. As soon as that flu transfers from the birds to the animals, then it's going to transfer from the animals to humans. And this is what's so devastating. They tell me that this virus, and of course Ty tells me this thing, He's a doctor, and he tells me the flu is so tiny you can't even see it with a microscope. You have to have an electron microscope to see it. But when you put it on a doorknob, if you've got it and you put it on a doorknob, many viruses die instantly when they leave your body. But this virus stays alive for six days. That means everybody touches that doorknob is going to be infected in 48 hours. You see how devastating this thing is going to be? You can't go nowhere. That's why they say they're going to quarantine whole areas. And the CDC has went from 13 cities to how many, honey? 18. They've now set up 18 quarantine stations at major airports already. And they're going to 25. So they're expecting this. And they say anybody that comes in to America that has the appearance of any kind of sickness, they're going to quarantine you. They're going to quarantine you. 
Which it don't make no matter how, bi- how busy you are or how important it is, you've got to get where you're going. When you step off that airplane, if you have the appearance of the bird flu under any condition, they're going to say, right here, sir. And they're going to put you in this room and you ain't going nowhere. When the CDC says you're going to go in that room and you're trapped right there, I don't care who you are. You ain't going nowhere. Because if you have that, and you know how many people they're going to miss? You know how many people are going to have that and they're not going to have no appearances of it? And they're going to walk right by and they're going to say, he's okay. And he goes in the bathroom and he washes his hands and maybe he touches something, you know, or he touches a towel rack or whatever. And you walk by and you touch it, you got it. You're infected with it. But if the guy comes in and he pushes, even if there's not a door, he touches the wall. You know, you know, have you ever noticed why they have changed in bathrooms, especially in airports? There's no doors on the bathrooms. There's no paper towel deals anymore. There's no flush handles to flush the stools anymore. Everything's automatic. But just think. When you go in there, especially women, they have to sit on that ring. You can make everything automatic, but you can't get rid of that. So what if you come in and you're a lady and you sit on that ring and you got the virus and you implanted on that, that ring? Every woman that sits on that stool, that's not a woman of faith, for the next six days is going to be infected with that virus. How many people could be infected in just a matter of a week or two? Tens of thousands. It's coming to America. It's coming. I mean, it's, it's obvious it's coming because Russia, just like I say, on the Internet, Russia has closed their borders to Turkey. Yeah. It's amazing what's happening. So we're going to Europe this next week. We'll be over there a few days. And we're going to come back, and then we're going to go back the next week to Zurich and Germany. But we're going over there to teach them people the Word of God. I'm going over there to teach people how to walk in divine health. I'm going to go over there, and God is going to use me to show those people, the Christian people over there, that's willing to listen to what this book says and do what it says. He's going to save their lives because the bird flu is already over there. It's already over there. But Cheryl and I is going to walk into that thing. And we're going to trust God is going to do something miraculous over there. Everything happened. In fact, a few months ago, when Ty and I went to a little conference over here, and he took these guys to dinner, and I went with them, and I sat beside this guy. I had no idea that he was the director of a lot of churches and a whole organization in Germany. But he had no idea that a man of faith was sitting right beside him either. Because when Ty gave him some of my CDs and he went back and listened to them, he called me. He said, good grief. If I'd had any idea I was sitting beside a man of faith like that, he said, I'd had you pay for me while I was there. But he said, i got to have you come to Germany. i got to have you come over and teach these people what you've learned from God's Word. So that's how this whole thing happened. Do you think this just accidentally happened? No, it was by divine appointment that a man from Germany was in the same place I was in a divine appointment that he took him to dinner and I happened to know him. So he invited me and I went and we all met and talked and by divine appointment. He gave them some of my teaching, which is opened a door for them 
everything to be changed. In God's kingdom, he's in control. He makes everything happen just like he wants. You know, we have a very grueling schedule in the next three weeks. But let me tell you, the Lord is my strength. I can do all things through Christ. Now listen to this. In Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Let's think about this. Luke 9, 23. And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Boy, that's not the world's way, is it? Take up our cross how often? Every day. Daily. In other words, put him first in everything we do. He says, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it. Well, that don't make sense, does it? For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. If we put God first on this earth, he will use us mightily for his kingdom. And he will do exactly what Matthew 6.33 said while ago when we sang that song. If we will seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness first, then he will bless your socks off on this earth with things beyond your wildest dreams. You won't have to be, you don't have to worry about where money's going to come from. You don't have to worry where a job's going to come from. You don't have to worry about nothing. I mean, I can remember when I worked two jobs and my wife worked a job. And the two of us together couldn't make enough money to make it to the end of the week. Any of y'all ever in here ever been there besides me? Yeah. Let me tell you. I was there. I couldn't. I mean, I worked night and day. And then I heard a preacher talk about tithing one day. The Word of God. Tithing? What does that mean? Give God 10% of everything you make. I thought, that couldn't work. That don't make no sense. I mean, here I am making $40 a week, and I give a dollar on Sunday. Good grief, what does God want? You know? I mean, I'm giving him a dollar out of 40. He ought to be happy with that. But he wasn't. He said, give me a tenth. Well, Lord, a tenth is four. Lord, I mean, I can't make it now. With the 39 I got left, I can't make it. And you expect me to give you four? And then I read where he said, put me to the test and try me. And see, if you will obey my word and you give me that four, you said you put me to the test and try me and see if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing upon you, you will not be able to contain. I thought, Lord, this don't make no sense at all. I don't see how you can do that. But since you said it, I'm going to give you $4 a week and we're going to see what happens. I ain't never had trouble meeting my pay, meeting my bills at the end of the month. Never. From that day to this. In fact, now then, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. Of course, I never dreamed, too, that I'd get a f two flowing gas wells. You know, that's been a real help. <laughs> you know, but all this is because I tired. You know, I really never dreamed that I'd have two flowing gas wells out there, that I'm on this, and I never dreamed I'd have more money coming in after I retired than I had when I was working. You know, I used to work 10, 12 hours a day, five and six days a week for a paycheck. But I had no idea that I'd get to a point like where I'd retire, and all of a sudden, 
God's going to bless my socks off and I'm going to have more money coming in every month than I had when I was working for a living. Isn't that wonderful? Only God can do that. Only God can do that. So, and I think, wow. And of course, when I was working, I had house payments, car payments, and all that stuff. Now then, praise God, I don't work and I ain't got house payments or car payments. But how come it happened like that? Because I was obedient to the Word. And He blessed my socks off. He is really an awesome God. But He says here, For what is a man, for what is a man advantaged? If he gains the whole world and loses himself or be cast away. Now, what if you were fortunate in life? How many people do you know that did go to college, got a good job, went out and went to work, and maybe they were, went into their own business or they were in some kind of fantastic sales, and they had great sales and made two, three, four, five hundred thousand dollars a year. And today... They don't have a dime. You know anybody like that? I know lots of them. Not just one or two. But you know what the one thing all those people have in common? They did not serve the living God. They did not serve Him. They didn't tithe off of that. And so they wound up in life having nothing. Although they had enough money, they should have had investments. And they should have had money running out their ears. But they didn't do it God's way. They did it their way. And it didn't pay. And now they're broke says, for whatsoever, or for whosoever, shall be ashamed of me and of my words. Wow. Verse 26. For whosoever, that's anybody, that shall be ashamed of me, Jesus, and my words, the word of God, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed. When he shall come in his own glory and his own fathers and of the holy angels. I don't want to hear God say to me, I'm ashamed of you. I'm ashamed of you. You did not ever confess me as Lord and Savior. Well, yeah, you did confess me as Savior, but you never made me your Lord. You wouldn't go to church. You wouldn't tithe. You wouldn't go out and witness to people. You wouldn't read the Word. You wouldn't study it. So, you're not going to get any rewards. I'm ashamed of you. Wow. I don't want to hear that. If there's anything I don't want to hear, I don't want to hear that. Plus, you will not be blessed as you go through life. Whereas, what we've done, what happened to me, the first few years of my life, I really listened to the enemy. I didn't know he was the enemy. I didn't know the devil was real. I mean, I'd read about him in the Bible, but I didn't know how real he was. I didn't know how he worked, nothing about him. But as I began to read the Word and learn how this enemy works... Now I've learned that when I don't do what God says in His Word, He sends an evil spirit to torment me. It's just like a missionary the other day. This guy graduated from seminary. He was out at the Justin Healing School. And by the way, we're going to have the Justin Healing School Saturday, next Saturday. Tuesday night Bible study here, 7, and then next Sunday, uh, next Saturday, we'll have a Justin Healing School. But this guy was at the last one, or the one before, at Justin. And he said, I was a graduate of seminary. And he said, I had lots of questions when I went to seminary. And nobody ever answered my questions. He said, they explained away what the Word of God says. 
But he said, sitting here with you today, he said, I want you to know I'm 72 years old. And he said, I'm a chaplain. But he said, I'm telling you, you have opened the word of God to me that today, for the first time, I really understand if God said it, that's what he meant. You don't need a doctor of theology to explain it to you. If God says, don't go out and sin, that's what he meant. If God said, I sent an evil spirit to torment Saul, that's what he meant. I sent an evil spirit to torment Because of his disobedience, I sent an evil spirit over to torment him. He said, I asked those questions in seminary, and they explained it all away. God wouldn't do that. But he said, you'd say, that's what he says, that's what he means. How many of you in this room believe if God said something, he means exactly what he says? I'm telling you, I believe that. If God says, if God says in his word, I mean, I think of Pastor Daniel. Pastor Daniel in Africa. I mean, here he is married. Lovely woman. But that morning, they got into a disagreement. Been married a long time. 20 or 30 years or whatever. And I know none of you all besides me and Cheryl have ever had a disagreement. I know with your mates, you know, we've had a few little disagreements. But I know nobody else in this room has ever had a disagreement with your mate. Laugh, funny, funny, funny. We all know that when you put a man and woman in a house together, every once in a while, something's going to happen you can't agree upon, right? And when you do, well, this is when you've got to capture the thoughts and not let it go there. So you've got to walk in love. But Pastor Daniel, pastor, too, of a church in Africa, one morning he gets up and his wife and him have a little disagreement. Well, she, he wants her to do something. She's not willing to do it. So he leaves that morning, storms out. Now, this is a woman he's married to. He loves her. And he, on the way to work, he is so mad, he said, Lord, that fool that I'm married to, that woman, I'm going to get even with her if it's the last thing I ever do. Now, boy, he don't have a clue when he stepped into that. Just think, you know the Word of God says, if you call a person a fool, you're in danger of hell fire. He'd read that, but it hadn't registered that God literally meant what he said. And then he's got into an unforgiveness toward this woman, and he's reading her the riot act on the way to work, driving a Mercedes Benz. And can you imagine driving a Mercedes Benz going to work, and all of a sudden you go around the corner, and the dual brake system, which is one of the finest there are, it failed. No brakes. And he runs right into a concrete embankment, hits it head on, drives the steering column right through his chest, and kills him. He's DOA. And immediately an angel comes, gets him, and takes his soul and spirit out of that car and leaves that old mangled, tore up body there. And next thing he sees, he's walking into the edge of heaven. And the angel said, the Lord told me to bring you and show you where you were going. He said, what do you mean, Lord? Bring me where I was going. He said, well, this is where you were going. But this morning, you called your wife a fool. And in the Word, it says, when you call someone a fool, you're in danger of hellfire. And he said, then you got into a great unforgiveness towards your wife, and you did not forgive her, so you opened the door, and the devil kills you on the way to work. He said, so now then, because you called her a fool and you wouldn't forgive her, he said, I'm now going to take you, since you've seen heaven, I'm going to take you to your final place. And he took him into the pit of hell. 
Now, this man stayed in the pit of hell for two and a half days on earth. He's in torment pain. This guy's a preacher of a church. But this woman on earth, she would not let them bury him. This is a true story, I'm telling you. This Ty has been to Africa with a friend that's talked to this guy three times. He, The guy that Ty went down there with, he's literally went over and talked. Three times or four times, Ty? Four. Four, four times that Ty's friend, when they go to Africa, has went over and talked to this pastor. And this pastor tells these stories about what happened and what he saw. And he said, after being there for those over two days in hell, being tormented, his wife back on earth said, I'm not going to let you bury my husband. The Word of God says that women have seen their husbands raised back from the dead by faith. And she would not let them bury him. I mean, they had already cut his leg open, pumped her formaldehyde in him and everything. And he is no blood. He is stone dead. He is hard. And they, she will not let them bury Pastor Daniel. And they finally... She said, I'm going to take him down. Reinhardt Bunky's going to be preaching down there, dedicating a big new church. And I'm going to take him down there. And when Reinhardt Bunky prays for the sick, the God I serve, his name is Jesus Christ, is going to raise my husband by the, from the dead by faith in his word. Now, that's a woman of faith. And Pastor Daniel better be glad he was married to a great woman of faith. Yeah. <laughs> right, brother? Amen. <laughs> Because she would not let them bury. She took him to that church in that casket in a hearse. And when they saw even Reinhardt Monkey, where he preaches, they saw, they said, we want to take him in so Reinhardt can raise him from the dead. And they said, there ain't no way. You ain't taking that casket in that church. They thought she was crazy. I mean, that's what we all think people are crazy when we talk about these kind of miracles. We don't believe God can do this kind of stuff anymore. So, she said, well, then we'll take him out of the casket and we'll take him down in the basement. And so they did. They took this guy, Pastor Daniel, out this hard body, carried his hard body down into, it's already been embalmed, down and laid him on a table right below where Reinhardt Monkey's upstairs preaching. And when Reinhardt Monkey started praying for the sick, this man started breathing. <coughs> and these guys, they saw this. And they saw this stomach begin to go in and out. And so... They run upstairs and got a couple of guys with a couple of cameras. They said, come down here. You've got to see what God is doing. And so they did. And they, they filmed this event. And they watched. And I got a copy of the tape. I guarantee you. Cheryl and I have watched it. We've seen this. Thing. Where is this man? Is he beginning to breathe? Well, these guys, they thought, well, man, let's help him. Let's help God. They begin to rub his arm. God didn't need no help. He didn't need no help. But it's Okay. They were rubbing his arms. They were doing all kinds. And slowly but surely, his arms were coming from hard to soft. And after 20 or 30 minutes, all of a sudden, Daniel just set up. He says, where's my list? Where's my list? They didn't know what he meant. God had showed him some things. And he wanted that list. And when he was fully resurrected from the dead, they said for weeks, you couldn't stay anywhere close to him because as the Lord was taking the formaldehyde out of him and putting blood back in him, he stunk so bad you couldn't stay within a city block of him. And then when they took him back to the Muslim that, that put him that, that over to mortuary, and he says, you know who this guy is? He said, well, he looks like a guy that i done a work on a few days ago. I said, no, it is him. He said, no, 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 no. This can't be. He looks just like him. 
but he can't be him. And he said, oh, let me look at his chest. He said, this guy's chest was tore all to pieces. So he opened his shirt, and there ain't no scars. He said, see, ain't no scars on his chest. This guy, I t- he had a steering wheel driven through his chest. And this guy, this can't be the same guy. He said, oh, by the way, I cut a big le- hole in his leg where I put in the embalming fluid. And he pulled his britches leg up, and there's that big scar. He said, good grief, this is the guy. This is him. Well, you know what Pastor Daniel says today? Would you hold on and forgive us to get your wife again? But what if she really does something bad to you? He said, I don't care what. He said, I'm, I don't care what she does. I don't care what nobody else does to me. He said, there ain't nobody on this earth, not even my wife. Nothing anybody does to me that's worth me spending another second in hell for. He said, especially not eternity. Now, this guy is alive and well today. And Ty's friend has talked to him four times. Every time they go to Africa, he has to go down and talk to him. It's awesome to sit and talk with this guy personally that spent two and a half days in hell. And why? A preacher. No preacher could go to hell. Oh, yes, he could. Do you know that if you get into those and you don't obey that word, we all know the word says, you call somebody a fool, you're in danger of hellfire. We read that, but we don't believe that. Do we? But after you see something like this, you think, well, hey, maybe the king really does mean what he says. When he says, if you don't forgive your brother from your heart, I won't forgive you either. And he said, if I don't forgive you, you ain't coming to my heaven. Somebody said, I don't believe that. Well, really don't make a whole lot of difference. Pastor Daniel didn't believe it either. But he spent two and a half days in hell. But let me tell you, God got his attention. And today, he says, no, I'm going to walk in love to all people. I don't care what anybody says. I'm going to love my wife. Did you know? It makes it, when you get a word from God, it makes it a whole lot easier for you to love. You know. Last little story. One day, Cheryl and I, just a few months ago, was going home from church. I said something to her. I don't even remember now what it was. But it obviously wasn't what she wanted to hear. So it made her, it made her angry. You know? I mean, I don't know what I said. I don't even remember. But boy, all I know is for 15 minutes on the way home, she read me the riot act. And for a change, she was talking loud enough I could hear her. Usually she talks so soft I can't hear. But that day she was talking bloody loud. I didn't have no problem hearing her. I just sat there. So after about 50 minutes, she stopped talking. And then I said something back. And man, she came back again. I said, hold it. I said, Lord, forget it. I ain't saying another word. I don't know what I've done, but what I've done, the more I say, the deeper I get in it. So I ain't going there. Now, like I know none of y'all besides me and Cheryl ever had these kind of disagreements. I don't know what, what I did, but she probably remembers, but I don't. But anyway, we get home. We, I, I, I just learned, hey, keep your mouth shut. Don't say nothing. You know, I mean, just silence. You know, because he opened it. So anyway, I said, don't say nothing. So anyway, we get home. I just start unloading the car. She's still angry. She's unloading the car too. She's going into ministry. She said, Lord, this man you give me, what am I supposed to do with this guy? She was so upset with me, she could have bit a nail into. Now, let me tell you, if you ever get married and you have a mate, there's going to be times he or she ain't going to do what you like. There's going to be days you want to kill him. 
Y'all know what I'm talking about. Sure. So anyway, I didn't say a word. I mean, I just go, I get home, I'm just unloading the car. I realize that I, ain't, I can't say nothing. If I do, I'm just getting deeper. So I better just keep my mouth shut. And so I'm just unloading the car. Cheryl, she's fussing at the Lord. Lord, what do you, this man you gave me, what am I supposed to do with this man? And I'm off out unloading the car back out the back and I'm way out of sight. I can't hear her nothing now. You know, I'm in a safe place. <laughs> And all of a sudden, the Lord speaks to her. She's back in the ministry room. And she said, Lord, and she don't have no clue that God's right there talking, listening. We really do know, but we really don't. Lord, what am I supposed to do with this man you gave me? And he said, just as clear as a bell, he said, just love him. Lord, just love him? Okay, she said, Lord, I'm sorry. So she comes to the back door. She said, honey, are you out there? I said, yeah, I'm back here out here in the dark unloading this stuff. And she said, are you coming back in pretty quick? I said, yes. And I said, she said, okay. So I come up there and I walked in. She grabbed me, had tears in her eyes. She put her arms around me and hugged me. And she said, I'm so sorry. I said, wow, what happened? She said, well, I was fussing to the Lord about you and asking what I'm supposed to do with you. And he said, I'm just to love you. And I looked up and said, Lord, thank you. <laughs> I needed a word from God. And he did it to my name. Lord, thank you. You know, and it changed everything that night. After that, she was wonderful. I was wonderful. We forgot whatever it was. We didn't remember it. And we had a great evening. But guess what? The devil had showed up. And whatever I said from the time it left my mouth till it got to her ears, evidently he contorted it or distorted it or something. Because it lit a fire, you know, and the more I said, the worse it got. So see, we need to realize there's an enemy out there. And that beast, it would not, nothing would please that beast more than if he could drive a wedge between me and Cheryl. God put us together for these end times to do great things for his kingdom. And he's doing it. But that devil knows that. So if he could drive a wedge between us, that's what he wants to do. But I got news for the beast. We ain't going to listen to him. We're going to walk in that God kind of love. And now then we're beginning to really realize who we're fighting against. So it makes no difference what happens. We just, we're going to do our best to walk in the God kind of love and never have another disagreement. You know, if we ever start there, I'm, she's, I told her other day, I said, honey, we're going to have to learn to capture every thought. If something happens you don't understand, just capture the thought and say, hey, I ain't going there. And if I have, I say, hey, I ain't going there. I'm going to think about it. I'm going to say, Lord, what do I need to do here? How do I need to handle this? But whatever it is, I'm going to walk in love. Because let me tell you, just think, what if I were to get into a disagreement with her and get into unforgiveness with her? And what if before I forgave her, the devil somehow slipped up on me and killed me like he did Pastor Daniel? All of the things I've done for the kingdom of God, I'd still die and go to hell. Pastor Daniel did. If it hadn't been for that great woman that prayed him out and brought him back to life. But let me tell you, that guy, he ain't never going to be the same, is he, Ty? Never. And we have his tape. We have his tape. And it's an awesome thing to see this man. Boy, is he a different man. I don't know about you. But I want to do what God says and I want to walk holy.
And this book means what it says, both good and bad. And I'm so grateful that the king has revealed himself to me in this word. And I have had the privilege to see him do the things I've seen him do. Let me tell you, all the time, slowly but surely, we're on a path that God is changing us from faith to faith. And we're all in this ladder somewhere going up. But I am hoping before the Lord brings me home that I can get and be conformed into the image of our King. That's what he said he's doing. He's transforming us into the image of Christ. And when we get there, then that's the day that literally, that the miracles. Wendy, if you thought those two miracles were great that day, if I can ever get to that point where I'm conformed or transformed into the image of the Savior 100%, those two little miracles will be nothing. Isn't that awesome? So our goal should be to be conformed into His image. Because in the ladder that I've obtained, wherever I'm at on this ladder, I've obtained a place that God will honor my prayers and do great and mighty things and change a little girl's life forever. Wendy ain't never been the same since that day. Never. Never. I mean, you can't be the same, can you, Wendy? And then you learn faith works by love. And then you learn that. That's right. And you learn faith works by love. And so when you get into that and you walk in that, wow. So our goal should be, Lord, continue to transform me into your image. Let me walk holy in obedience to your word. For I can walk and be prosperous and successful and I can walk in divine health. See, Cheryl and I have reached that point. Right now, we're walking in prosperity. God's meeting our needs. I'm not telling you we got a million dollars in the bank, but we got money in the bank. You know, and we got, we got, we're virtually out of debt. And I'm going to tell you that after this next month, this next month, I'm going to pay off that suburban, and then we ain't going to owe nobody nothing. That's going to be the la- I'm going to make the last payment on that suburban, and that car's going to be paid for. And that's the last thing. Everything she was in debt for when I came into her life is gone. I have had the privilege to pay off every debt of Cheryl. And now then, we're out of debt. We will be when that car is paid off. But God has blessed me where I can take enough money and pay off everything and be totally debt-free. And the beautiful thing, He's blessed me with such great health, and now He's given me the privilege whenever my wife comes down with anything, I can pray over her, and He virtually instantly heals her every time. It's been such a blessing to be the priest of a home, to know you're the priest of a home, walk in obedience to the Word, and pray over your wife when she has a problem, and to see God virtually instantly heal her. That's why a lot of you said, Cheryl's my best teaching tool. But you know, that's why God allows these things to happen, because I can teach you with these examples. And it's wonderful to see Him answer those prayers in so many ways. But, if He's no respect your persons, He'll do that for me. What will He do for you? Same thing, right? What will He do for you, brother? Same thing. Eldon, same thing, right? All you got to do is walk in obedience to the Word of God. And when you pray, now if you don't think God's real, you ought to have been there when Wendy was there. When you see William, a little guy with a swiveled up hand, instantly healed. And then when you see Steve Blake, 
with the back with three ruptured discs for years, instantly healed. And of course, Steve and Laura, they're still wonderful. I mean, that changed Steve's life forever, didn't it? And Laura. Yeah. I mean, it's changes. And William, man. But these kind of miracles change people's life forever. Did you know, a week later, I went down to William's house. And I walked in. And he was fully dressed. But in the middle of the day, he was sitting up in the middle of the bed with his legs crossed. When I knocked on the door, he said, come in. He said, who is it? I said, it's Thurman. He said, come in. Opened the door. And he was sitting in the middle of the bed. You know what he was doing? He said, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for healing my hand. He said, Lord, I'm so grateful. Thank you for healing my hand. I mean, you know, you think, I mean, when's the last time you did that? Never. Because then there's nothing wrong with yours. It's, we don't even think about saying, Lord, thank you that I can open and close that hand. But you know, we ought to start doing that once in a while. Wake up this morning and say, Lord, thank you that my hand works. Thank you that I can still hear, that I can see. I want to thank you and praise you and worship you. For all these things that I have. Because he give them to you. Whether you know it or not. Father we thank you for this day. We thank you for the beauty of this day. We thank you for your word. Your magnificent word. That you've given to all. And you're no respecter of persons. To those that find your word. Those that diligently seek your word. It will bring prosperity and health. Prosperity. 